It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you as always. Jerry, it's another morning recording. Yes, good morning, Steve. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> How many times do we wonder if it's even worth it, Jer? There's got to be some other way to get through the days. What are you are you talking <laughs> philosophically or this podcast? I'm reading lyrics from We Hold On, Jer. Oh, come on. You can't test me in lyrics at 8 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is. I just wanted to point out that very soon we are going to be talking about snakes and arrows. So I wanted to throw a snakes and arrows quote in there. Okay. Just to whet people's appetite for snakes and arrows. Okay. And ask you that question. (laughs) And really, really plumb the depths of my lack of knowledge. (laughs) Exactly. You can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are at TheRushCast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. I got to say, Jerry, the emails we've been getting are fantastic, and we appreciate every single one of them, even if we can't read every single one of them. That is correct. I agree with you. But we are going to read one of them today. At least one right now. At least one. And this is from Brian, and it's about, well, I'll just read it to you. Okay. As usual, I enjoyed the interview this week with Vicki Flyer. Related, every time you have an author promoting a Rush book, I have either bought it or plan on buying it when I can. I love supporting the family. I like that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Look at that. We're we're hawking people's goods. (laughs) I was touched by her story about having her letter to Alex and the accompanying signed tour book show up at her doorstep after so many years. When you asked the question about more lost and found items, I immediately thought of this incredible story from Neil Peart's own blog. It seems on one of his bike rides on tour in 2004, a luggage bag fell off onto the road. He was alerted to it by someone at a red light, but couldn't find it when he went back to look. Turns out in 2015, he received a call out of nowhere from someone who had found the suitcase, which had been stored in their garage for years and rediscovered it after decluttering. Yes, the Macallan was still in it, though it was rendered undrinkable. Of course, Neil tells the entire story in his own warm, detailed way, so I'm just going to send you the link in case you've never seen the story. And it's, uh, you know, it's to Neil's blog post. It's neilpeart.net and then search for Miracle Colorado. Isn't that the story that Rob Wallace told us on the podcast, Jer? Is it really? <laughs> I believe it is. Yes, that's the same story that Rob <laughs> Wallace told us. Well, there you go. Episode 64 of our podcast. How do you, how do I do? I have my phone right here that tells me what episode it is, Jerry. I don't know these things off the top of my head. But you knew that off the top of your head. I don't even remember. Oh man, my memory. It's early in the morning, Jerry. It can never be late enough for me to remember things. (laughs) Well, we've got a great guest today on something for nothing, Jerry. I'm very excited about this. An artist from Scotland who is well known for his progressive rock paintings, specifically his Rush paintings. Charlie Roy, welcome to the Rush Fancast. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for joining us, Charlie. So we like to start out by asking our guests, what is your Rush origin story? When did you first hear Rush and how did you become a fan? Uh, well, I'm I'm quite ancient. So uh, <laughs> I, I first heard them on, uh, on British uh, TV uh, in 1974. There was a mention of Rush. Uh, this, they were called the, the Canadian Led Zeppelin. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm not a huge Led Zeppelin fan, so that's interesting. But two years later, uh, 1976, a friend bought All the World's a Stage. And, uh, the, the, and I listened to that, I thought, wow, what happened to this band? And uh, it's, it's, Neil Peart happened to this band. 
And uh, yeah, so basically, I, I started all the ones on stage, and then I, obviously I looked at all the other the other work. There, that was a fan from then on. And then when they toured Scotland, they came over to the UK. Uh, they were fast in Scotland in 1977, and uh, I was at that gig. So that was that was my. I'm so I'm I'm from the ancient times. I'm from right back from <laughs> the uh, you know, early on. That's a farewell to kings, probably right. That was a farewell to kings tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came up to Scotland and they 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 loved the Scottish audience and they they gave us an extra encore. Really, apparently, yeah. That, wow. uh, so uh, yeah, it was, and I, I remember it was great seats. It was great seats as well. And uh, you know, and and my friends and I, we had to travel about 150 miles to go to the concert, and it was on a Sunday, and we we were wondering should we or shouldn't we do this? I don't know. We're glad we did, and we thought when we came out to the concert, did you see the guy at the front? He's playing the bass and he's with his feet and he's singing and keep. I thought, oh my god, you know, so it was just uh, of course it was amazing. If we, could, if we could go back in time, that's where I would go. Yeah, the answer to those kind of questions is always yes. <laughs> should we should we go to this concert yes <laughs> i did uh, that was the, that was the beginning so as an american i always think that scotland is small for some reason but you say you have to go 150 miles that's a long way to go to go to a concert they only played what edinburgh and glasgow pretty much i think it was glasgow yeah yeah well i, I live in the in the northern part of the country and uh, so we're, uh, you know, the central belt is, it is a small country. I mean, you know, 150 miles, but I mean, we'd, we'd fit inside one of your states, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're very tiny. And, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I was uh, back in the day, back in the 70s. If anybody that, you know, from the northern part of the country, you wanted to see your bands and, you know, I'd go and see all the prog guys then. You had to travel to them. They didn't come up here. So you had to go to Glasgow or Edinburgh uh, to see those bands. So, so that was, you know, that's just what you had to do. You still have to do that. <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to talk to someone who was a fan from the very beginning. I've had a few conversations with fans from the beginning. But uh, like you said, what happened to this band? Neil happened to the band. Yeah. So like, what was your impression after hearing, you know, the Canadian Led Zeppelin to hearing Fly By Night? I remember, and it was it was the live album. I, I remember that uh, listening to that fast side and uh, the the play the, the playing the LP, and uh, I thought, wow! And you know, Geddy's got his high voice, but that was never ever. Some people maybe didn't like that. That was never ever something. I thought I thought it was great, and uh, I thought these guys are singing about because I was a big prog rock fan, and what I liked about Rush then, I thought this is kind of unusual. It's kind of prog. But it still rocks, and uh, you know. And I thought, well, I really like that comedy. And the fact that they were singing about the uh, Bastille Day, you know, about the French Revolution, and and lots of, I thought, oh, this is good stuff. That I like. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. And then, of course, the the, the great excitement of twenty one twelve, and uh, I thought, oh, this this is this is just fitting right into my kind of prog uh, kind of vibe. And uh, and of course. Yeah, that, that was me. That was going. That was following them all the way, you know. And of course, I went on to see, you know, whenever they toured in, in Scotland, you know, I'd be there. So let's talk about your origins, Charlie. Now, back in the early seventies, had you started painting by then? Uh, no, no. Uh, I left school in nineteen seventy four, and I was a baker for eight years. Uh, but I had, I always had a kind of flair or a little bit of feel for art. And in 1982, 
I'd started doing uh, little pencil drawings, uh, you know, for, you know, local, local uh, kind of stuff, uh, you know, the pictures of dogs and pictures of babies and houses and motorbikes. And, and I started to get a local reputation and, and I, I quit my job and I thought, oh, I think I could make a living at this, but it, I mean, it was a very difficult living, but uh, I really <laughs> loved doing it. And uh, so that that's how I kind of I kind of started. I just so I, I'm 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 self-taught. I, I, I didn't go to art college. I just looked at other art and soaked it all up. Well, that's a, one of the questions we wanted to ask: is what kind of influences do you have? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I would stare at all those album covers, and uh, you know, I've been a big Yes fan. Uh, you know, I, I love the, the you know the fantasy world, the Roger Dean, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I mean, just just art in general, just good art has uh, has always been, you know, it's, you know, something I've just always liked. And what about progressive rock artists? Why did you start painting progressive rock artists, and specifically Rush? Well, that that's much later that that happened. So basically, so I started in 1982 as an artist, and at that time, I I, I would do pencil work, but I didn't know anything about painting. So over the next 30 plus years, I taught myself how to paint. And, and well, basically, what happened in uh, I only started doing uh, prog rock uh, or, or or classic rock uh, uh, art uh, maybe 20, 20, end of twenty sixteen no end of uh, twenty seventeen because basically the end of twenty sixteen we had a disaster. Uh, basically, the place that I live in here uh, we had a huge fire and it destroyed everything uh, and it destroyed all of my past. And uh, the next day, uh, uh, all I had was uh, what the clothes I stood up in. And uh, the whole deal wasn't insured or anything. So we lost absolutely everything. Uh, so there's only one thing to do. You either go under or you go forward. Uh, so we uh, kind of rebuilt ourselves. And, uh, you know, I'd rebuilt the, uh, our, our home in about eight months. And uh, we had a lot of help from people. And uh, I think what happened, my art changed because I was obviously in a state of I don't know, anxiety or trauma after you know after this experience having everything having all your past taken away you know but I, but I you know I, so I rebuilt my life uh, our lives and I remember waking up in October 2017 and thinking I it, I remember I just woke up and I thought I need to do a drawing. I need to do an artwork of Chris Squire. You know Chris Squire of Yes? Of course, of course. Yeah. He, you know, he's, a, you know, I say he's a big Yes fan and, and he died a, a, a couple of years earlier. And for some reason, I never thought, it just dawned on me. Just, I just woke up and thought, and I joined a, a fan site and I didn't know at the time, you know, internet fan sites, you know, I, I thought, well, this is fun. And I thought, why don't I do a little quick drawing of, of Chris Squire and, and pop it on the fan site and see what the response is. So I think that night, I, I just did a sketch. It took about an hour, an hour long sketch, and I put it on the fan site, and the response was incredible. And uh, so the, 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 I said, oh, that, that's good. And that was just like a nothing sketch. <laughs> so the next thing I did was I did a painting of Chris Squire, and, uh, and you know, that got a really big response as well. And I thought, that nah, was me. Wait, I thought, well, I'm onto something here. And I, I started it, it, about a month later, I started to do, I said, right, that was, that was yes, I, was start, I did then. And then a month later, I started doing the Rush stuff. And that, like, really exploded because, you know, Rush fans are very, very passionate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and basically, you know, I put them on 
and I get responses back. And that, you know, it's, it's what any artist wants. It, you, you want to do the work. And that's the great, the, the wonder of the internet and fan sites that you, you you do a drawing or a painting and you instantly put it to an audience. It's, uh, you know, it's like, it's brilliant. It's, just, it's perfect for artists. And in 2017 is when you started your Instagram account because that looks looks like the earliest postings for like 2017. Uh, I think I would have joined uh, Instagram, yeah, probably a little bit later. I think I joined. Uh, I started off with the social media uh, on 2015, and then uh, and then Instagram 2017. Yeah, and I've used and so basically used uh, Facebook fan sites, Instagram to kind of spread that stuff around, and it's uh, you know it's uh, it's. It's just gone from strength to strength. It's just quite incredible. So basically, you know, very, very quickly, I'm just a local guy, a local artist, and suddenly it's all very international. And uh, and I thought, wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's obviously just... Uh, so that kind of feeds itself. You know, if people respond to your work, it makes you want to do more of it. So you mentioned the fans fuel your work, but what about your love of the music? Does that fuel your work as well? Uh, oh, but of course, absolutely. I, you know, it's great. I think it's all these years later, and I'll I'll put on that album we talked about, All the World's a Stage. I'll put that on, and you know that still that still floats my boat. You know, I think I think that is. In fact, they probably get more out of it now. And uh, you know, it's uh, and you know, uh, yeah, no, it's the the music. You know, it's the it's the it's the key thing. I mean, I will paint and draw people that I don't necessarily know about because you know because there could be like quite you know, quite interesting to do, but obviously it really helps if you like the artists and I, you know, I'm, I'm right inside rush. So, you know, I know them very well. There's one thing we were talking about is not only why the focus on rush, I guess it's because like you said, the rush fans are uh, a little, little passionate to say the least a little, <laughs> <laughs> but is there something about the members of rush that are good to paint? Like, do they have interesting faces? You know what I mean? Like what makes a good, it makes a good face to paint. Well, the yeah, that 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 part of the attraction of Rush is not only just the music, but it's the relationship between the three guys. It's just like uh, you know, the three friends. It's just brilliant. It's just it's just wonderful. You know, that's a you know, if you're a Rush fan, you know that, and that's really important. Uh, on the technical side, uh, each of them, yeah, they are they they are interesting to paint. Giddy's relatively easy he's got a lot of features that you can do you know if you did a cartoon it's very easy to do and neil's got a lot of features alex is less is a little trickier he, he's got a more of a kind of for what a bit better was a every man sort of face so he you know i've you know struggled sometimes with representing him and i've noticed my fellow artists also struggle so you know it, it, you know of the three of them he's the, the trickiest to do but uh, you know and uh, well, you know, and you know, if you've got it right, you put it, you know, you put it on the fan sites and they say, yeah, that's great. Or right. no, that's then, no, that's fine. Then. And then you learn from that and then you maybe, oh, maybe I'll get it right the next day. <laughs> what are your other favorite faces to paint? I'm looking at some of your work here. There's one of David Bowie that's just fantastic. Who are some of the other artists' faces that you love to paint? Uh, yeah, I do. I do fight. I do get caught up with particular people and i do you know return to them um i didn't know the uh, grateful dead i didn't know great, uh, great their music uh i knew of jerry garcia but didn't know much about him but i i became very interested he's a, he's a great face and i started drawing and painting him a lot and, the, and grateful dead fans are 
very passionate fans as well. And so, you know, I thought that was interesting. I, w- I wouldn't say I would have been a, maybe, a, you know, a first-rate fan. I was just, I thought, Jerry, I read his story and I found that fascinating as well. And he's a kind of tragic sort of character. And, you know, that, that you know, that went into the artwork as well. So they also the Pink Floyd guys, uh, you know, David Gilmore is, um, you know, is a very, a very charismatic, very popular guy. And very interested to do. He's a he's a he's a he's a pretty good looking guy when he's a young guy. He's a kind of Jesus rock god sort of look. <laughs> and uh, he's also quite interested in this older chap. And then the, again, Pink Floyd fans are very very passionate about Pink Floyd. And uh, so yeah, I get I get caught. And like Neil, well Neil, obviously Neil Peart. I've done him many 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 times. And. Um, you know, I, I, before Neil passed away, I, I'd done a lot of drawings. I found him a very interesting uh, person to try and capture. And then, obviously, after Neil passed, there was a kind of emotional element kicked in there where, I, you know, I, you know, it's almost like you're trying to bring it back to life in some way or something kind of strange like that. But, you know, when I said I must stop drawing and painting Neil Peart, people will get fed up with it. But then I would always come back and do another. <laughs> I would always want to do it. I, you know, it's just, it's just like, what am I going to do? I've got to do something else. Bugger it. I'm going to do Neil Peart. <laughs> and people want you to do it, right? Yeah, I think people are really interested in that. And it's also kind of, you, you want to come up with something new. You want to, um, what angle can I bring to it today? What medium can I use? What, what else can I, you know, I don't want to try and repeat myself. I want to try and do something, you know, something valid. And, you know, so that's uh I mean, I'm just making it up as I go along, basically. You know, I don't, I don't have a master plan. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> um, when talking about medium, I guess with the rush, uh, the rush paintings that you've done have a certain kind of style to them, right? They they're dripping on the bottom and they don't have defined edges. Can you tell us about that style? I think the older drawings, the older paintings. Uh, there was a there was an artist. Uh, uh, that I saw that that, that did a kind of lost and found kind of painting style, and I, I really and I really like that uh, style. Uh, and uh, what kind of style? What is kind of style is that? Lost and found. Uh, well, basically, he he had kind of undefined edge, edges. He had he had paint the background paint coming over the top of the faces, and, and it, you know, and it, but it really it was really nice. So I started mimicking his kind of style in the earlier paintings. But then, as as time went on, I I started to develop my own thing, and then that's splashing the paint on and let allowing it to run, and then and then with that kind of chaotic background, you know, adding the uh the you know the the, the figures on top uh, seemed to work. It seemed to convey the for me anyway that you know the excitement of rock music you know the, the immediacy you know you're trying to you know i've seen other very very good paintings but with very kind of ordinary sort of backgrounds and i i just no i, I don't like that I don't like, I wanna, I, although i have tried that as well and, and something not everybody likes these drippy paintings you know they're not every you know but it's just it's that's just what i do Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it'll probably change again. I mean, sometimes, sometimes they're drippy, sometimes less so. You know, I'm I'm just evolving all the time. I'm coming up with new ideas and new ways of doing things. You know, you're trying not to repeat yourself too much. So, you know, I again, I don't want to get. I I would end up being bored with myself. You know, off, you know, I have to have to make it exciting for myself. So, I have to try and do something slightly new. So, what is your favorite medium 
Charlie. I mean, I noticed a lot of the stuff on your Facebook page is acrylic on canvas, but your ink drawings and your pencil drawings are also fantastic. What's your favorite medium to work in? Uh, well, well, th- thanks for that. Um, I like pencil and, uh, well, I like a, a variety of mediums. I can do watercolor, I can do pencil, I can do pen, but my medium probably is acrylic. It's the one that, that I really, you know, that's the really excel in. I can paint in oil paint and people like that, but that's a kind of slightly different thing. But I, I like, because I'm kind of fast. Uh, and and uh, the speed seems to be kind of important to, to me. And uh, so basically an acrylic is a kind of paint that dries very quickly. So, uh, you know, that's that's good. That helps me. You know, you, you put if you put the oil paint on, you'd have to wait a week for it to dry. I, you know, I want to I want to be painting on top of that surface <laughs> in, in, in 10 minutes. So acrylic is, uh, you know, that's the paint for me. It's a difficult paint sometimes, especially in the summertime, because it dries so rapidly that even in a hot summery day, you know, this stuff, you, you, you've got to change your tech. You've got to move even faster because this stuff is drying so very quickly in the, in the, you know, in the warm temperatures. You know, and it looks like your paintings were painted fast. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. They're fantastic. And it almost looks as if they were completed in, in a speedy way, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the speed, I try to slow down. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't seem to be able to. It seems to be, I, they, I used to, uh, uh, earlier techniques, I would spend, I remember I did, you know, I, what you call photorealism. And that involves, you know, spending a lot of time. I'd spend six weeks on a painting. And, uh, you, know, that, uh, uh, you know, that's fine for that kind of technique. Uh, but nowadays, I think post-fire, the kind of, you know, trauma suffered from the fire. Uh, I, 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 I just, I can't hang around now. I can't, I can't, I, 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 the painting goes on too long. I get fed up with it. It has to be, you know, it has to be done in a day. It has to be, it's got two days maximum. That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, they, they, they uh, I, I can't seem to settle down and say, right, I'm going to spend like a, you know, a week on this. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I just have to, I have to keep going. I have to, you know, do it quickly. And then I need to do the next thing. So that's just part of, you know, how, how I am now. Maybe I'll slow down in the future once the trauma passes. Well, it certainly gives the, the paintings a certain dynamism, I think, you know what I mean? Movement, stuff like when you're talking about the background, not having a stage background where it's just one color, it definitely gives a certain movement and, you know, reminds me of them on stage. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. They, I mean, I suppose what you would you call what I do uh, fan art, and uh, you know, I've seen a lot of fan art, and and it's a lot of you know, it's it's fine, and and I thought, well, we could maybe take this fan art and and you know, do other things with it, and uh, you know, try. And I've seen other artists that that do that kind of splashy, you know, the guy with the guitar, uh, uh, you know, and and that kind of chaotic background i thought yeah that really that really works but that that's that's kind of rock and roll you know they, yeah. it's uh, if it looks like a, a you know an 18th century oil painting then that's not very rock and roll is it yeah. that would be great though <laughs> well i've just given myself an idea i'll maybe try them <laughs> charlie why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with rush fest scotland they recently released an album called tributes songs for neil volume one and you created the artwork for the album cover. Tell us how that came about. 
Yeah, well, I did. I did some of the I, I the the drawing I did provided. I think it was uh, uh, it was a, a couple of the other guys. They they uh, they did. I think Hugh Sime was involved mm-hmm. with it, and uh, Paul Tippett was the guy that used the drawing and put you know it, you know. So basically, all I did was provide the drawing, and they and they just used it. And I think they used a, a painting for the inside artwork, which which is fine. Uh, so I mean, the, art, the 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 artwork wasn't done for an album cover; it just happened to be you know used for it. Uh, but uh, the guy that that runs uh, Rushfest Scotland, uh, a guy called Steve Brown, um, he does a lot of charity stuff. And I met him a, a few years ago, and uh, he invited me to go to the uh, charity event. So I, I before well, the coronavirus, I'd, I'd been on that. Uh, I've been at a few uh, uh, charity events uh, alongside Steve, and you know, selling stuff and and providing artwork for charity as well. So, what was that like going to Rushfest Scotland and meeting the fans? Uh, what was the the feedback you got face to face from them? It's very good. Yeah, it's really, it's really great, and especially you know, you get a bunch of Scotsmen uh, and and give them a, a whole load of drink, and and they can get very, <laughs> they can get very uh, you know, very passionate. And uh, so, no, it was great. It was always good. It, it was always great being in the northeast of Scotland. I always joke there was me and maybe two or three other guys. We were the Rush fans. Uh, uh, you know, because no, nobody else in the northeast of Scotland uh, knew uh, or heard of them. You know, we were we were the only guys up here. So it's uh, you know, so you kind of live in isolation away from fellow fans. So going to into a room full of people who are even bigger fans than me was really, really, uh, a really interesting experience. I thought, wow, these guys know the rush. <laughs> we run into that a lot too. We thought we were big fans when we started this podcast. And, and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the music. And when I see, I don't know if you guys do this, but when I, uh, and I don't see it too often, if I'm walking down the street and somebody's got a Rush t-shirt, I will always communicate with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they will always communicate back. It's like this, we're a secret society. It's like... <laughs> That's a fantastic shot. So, so, so the, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's great. You know, we're, uh, you know the brothers in arms. So you mentioned, Charlie, that Hugh Syme was involved also with the album cover that you did. Let's talk about Hugh Syme. What are your thoughts on Hugh Syme's album artwork? No, I, I follow him on uh, Instagram and, and, uh, and I, yeah, that's kind of interesting because he must have used in the back in the day, he must have used, uh, 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 you know, there's a lot of you know computers could solve a lot of problems now, but he would have had to be much more kind of analog uh, in his art, which I which I think is very impressive. Uh, you know, I think uh, and it's very inventive. It's very it's very creative, and it's very subtle. You know, yeah, it's it's great to look at. And um, but I always thought that like uh, like moving, uh, I've I've taken some of Hughes' covers and turned them into paintings. You know, as as a kind of tribute to Neil. Uh, and uh, but, uh, what, what I realized when I was doing that, like taking moving pictures, I think Hugh had set it up like uh, I don't know what the term is, like um, like I know, like like basically it is a painting almost the way it's uh, the way uh, you know there's a there's a name there's a name for I've forgotten the name for that kind of painting, but it's an old school kind of painting um, where these figures are kind of posed. So basically, when I started turning it into a painting i thought oh yeah that's like you know it's, 
it, the photograph was meant to look like a painting and it, it it's now you know i'm kind of turning it into a painting here and it kind of it fit in perfect. i don't know if i'm making any sense here at all it's just uh, uh I, in that picture i obviously I, it was a it was a, after neil's passing but i tribute to neil in that and I also made a self-portrait. I put myself, I took one of the guys out and put myself in this position. So I'm <laughs> holding up one of the paintings. I don't know why I did that. I just, it was just what you do. Just what you do is you're, is you're making it up as you go along. And I think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put a self-portrait in here for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, I would do that. If I could draw, I'd, I'd put myself in there too. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think probably every artist probably does at some point. Yeah. You know, it's funny about, Hugh's artwork, like you said, it's uh, like some albums, like uh, Grace Under Pressure, right? It's chaotic. It has a lot of things going on. And then there's Hold Your Fire, which is red on red. He's got a, such an interesting way to look at things. He never overdoes anything, but he also never underdoes anything, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it looks deceptively simple. People approached me about album cover art and i've done little bits and pieces but not much but i yeah no i think it looks it looks easy but it's not easy you know i'm looking at your moving pictures piece on facebook it's great and neil's picture is in one of the pictures which is awesome yeah and also but I, which i kept quite subtle the guy right at the back the guy that's uh, just going to enter in the building he's actually wearing you know one of those kind of neil like hats so, so actually, you know, I kind of made that as kind of like Neil oh, yeah. himself, but, yeah. uh, but I, I didn't advertise that. I just, I'll just leave that one to be, uh, you know, discovered. Now, are there any other Hugh Syme album covers that you'd like to paint yourself as recreations? I mean, Caress of Steel, maybe Jerry mentioned Grace Under Pressure would be a great one. Yeah. Great. Uh, Grace. Oh, that's a, that would be a difficult one. That. Yeah. 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 Some of them that, I mean, like I say, the seventies ones. You know, they just lend themselves that, you know, uh, A Farewell to Kings and, you know, moving pictures are just perfect for interpretation. Uh, Grace would be trickier because it's quite arty. Caress of Steel, I did actually do, I did a, a painting I called uh, My Band, My Time, and it was, you know, it was a whole bunch of images from the 1970s. And I think I put some of the, you know, the album artwork, uh, I think with the, the, the figure in um aggressive steel into into that artwork um but that was uh, that was a kind of retro art it's basically it's the rush it's a, it's the, the the guys mixed in with the album artwork of their 70s album artwork so the owls there and uh, i made the two guys the the um you know that uh that painting uh, god reaching out to man oh yeah 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 yeah, well, I, I I thought I was very pleased with myself when uh, <laughs> when I met when I painted the I painted the puppet king and his hand was kind of reaching out and then the, the naked guy on hemispheres and he's his hand is reaching out so I put them both together so it looked like they were kind of and uh, I and somebody says oh that's just like that very famous is it not Da Vinci uh, whoever the guy whoever painted that famous Michelangelo Michael thanks guys. <laughs> In the Sistine Chapel. Again, I just did that because it was pure fun rather than it meant anything. And it's probably very slightly pretentious as well, but that's okay. I'm going to be that. And uh, yeah, so that was great fun doing that artwork at that time. Uh, where can we see that? I, I, didn't, I didn't see that particular painting. Is it on your Facebook page? Oh, yeah, it's on the Facebook. It's on Instagram. I gave it a kind of rudimentary title, uh, My Band, My Time or something like that. Because, uh, you know, it's, I'm very much, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the 70s. 70s was my rush 
and uh, and and also the you know I think the last three albums I really really liked the, the old uh, the Vapor Trails. Now Vapor Trails is an album I I people going oh that's a terrible album that's not very good. What it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I love it. It is a great album. I think a lot of people were just put off by the uh, production. A lot of people didn't like the sound of it, so they never really got into it as much as they could. But did they like the sound? Uh, because it, 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 11 years later, it got redone. I actually didn't like the redo. <laughs> You're not the only person I've talked to who said that. Yeah, because basically there's a, there a couple of little bass phrases or drum patterns that were kind of buried in the new mix. And I thought, oh, <laughs> you know, so I actually, uh, but actually the, the, the fast track is better on the remix. So actually, probably the, that album is probably a bits of productions from each uh, each album would probably be it for me you'd have to make a new one instead of uh, like remastered remixed just one song from each one yes uh, yeah but anyway no I, I think it's a, an absolutely fantastic brilliant brilliant album so you love 70s rush and you clearly love vapor trails what about in between did you stick with rush in the 80s power windows hold your fire presto did you love those albums as well no, I I kind of I kind of left the band in the middle because I think eighties, you know, I I I just I'd quit that regular job and I, and I'd become the artist and then I there's a relationship and children and family life and and I kind of moved away for a while and and then I I I kind of got back into the band later. Uh, uh, so basically, that's why there's not so much artwork from that middle period. I mean, I've gone back and looked at that middle period now, and 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 I've cherry picked it for the you know there's some really 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 brilliantly tremendous track animate. God, I've forgotten the name of that other track. Lots and lots of great music from that time. But I'm 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 really the kind of I'm kind of at the beginning and the end really, in the in the but not so much the bit in the middle. So we don't get Alex Lifeson with the flock of seagulls haircut in your artwork. <laughs> I did. I did an early. I did an early uh, uh, drawing. Uh, Alex with uh, with that uh, yeah the flock of seagulls and uh, yeah uh, somebody's just asked me to do Neil from that period so I'm just researching imagery from that period of time so uh, you know I'm going you know, there's going to be there's going to be more of that uh, uh, in the future but like I say you know I'm I'm more connected with the 70s and the end of the band so you know I've got a, a you know a big emotional connection to that. And you know, less so in the middle. So, but but I, you know, I I have done I think Getty with this crazy hairstyle. What's he called the raccoon hairstyle? <laughs> the Daniel Boone. Daniel I think is what they were calling. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I have done, but the, I don't know. The, the, the guys look slightly silly then. But that's the great thing about Rush, right? Is that I mean, how many bands can you step away from for twenty years and then come back to new music that's fantastic? It's, it's like unheard of. It's colossal. You're absolutely bang on there. I think if you take a piece of music like The Garden, what a career finish. Anything off that album is up there with all the early stuff. And I think to sustain that, that that's just extraordinary. Now, I'm a huge Yes fan, uh, but they never, they, you know, they, 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 their stuff was just, they'd lost it completely. And, uh, you know, they could never match, uh, you, know, you know, what they did at the beginning. Uh, and but a few probably could, and that's I think that's that's tremendous. That uh, you know, uh, that I I love that older stuff just as much as that early stuff. Well, the difference between Yes and Rush is Rush kept the same lineup for forty years, and <laughs> Yes had Chris Squire and whoever he was hanging out with at that time. 
right? <laughs> well, they ditched they ditched the bloody vocalist, didn't they? They ditched the you know the kind of mainstay of the band, you know. So, I mean, I I love the, the guitarist Steve Howe. He's a big a big fan of Steve and all the rest of it. And uh, and I think they would probably uh, I think there'd be an influence on on Rush. Rush would have been listening to Yes. Oh, sure. And, and, you know that 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 had gone into the mix, and and uh, because they wanted to obviously you know they changed drummers and they they, they wanted to keep that kind of progressive element. Which was always uh, interesting. There's always that argument. I was a fan of um, Uriah Heep. And why were Uriah Heep not prog metal? Uh, because they, they were kind of, they were, they were just like heavy rock with synthesizers. But I think, I think Rush were a kind of blend of rock and progressive, kind of very nice. They still rock. The trouble with later, yes, and a lot of these prog bands, they forgot how to rock, if that makes any sense. With Rush, always retain that rock element, which I find in early Yes music are, are uh, uh, we're probably wandering well off now. Um, but, I, you know, I, what I like about early Yes is you can see its uh, its influences. It's, it's still got the rock there. It's still got the blues. It's still got the jazz. And that's where Rush, they still, you can still hear those kind of raw elements in there. Have you ever seen the video of Getty playing bass on Roundabout when Yes was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I have indeed. It's great. That's all I have to say. It's not going to make the final cut, but I'm just saying it's good. it was a great. It was great seeing him up there playing that. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. You, you made me think I'm going to go out to find it and look at it again. No, that's no, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's well, that's two. That's two things for me that you know, Rush and Yes. I mean, that's who I am. Well, he he really was the only one who could fill in for Chris yeah. Squire in that spot, really. Uh, yeah, nice. No, uh, uh, yeah, obviously. I'll tell you what's interesting. Back in the day, back in the seventies, they had uh, readers' polls. Uh, you know, for best best vocalist, best drummer, and things like that. And uh, you never, you know, you never. If you, if you look at those old polls, you never see uh, any of the Rush members on it. But you know, nowadays, they, you know, if you did a poll now, you know, they would be the guys that would be up at the top. You know, Neil Peart regarded as the the rock drummer. I mean, there are a lot of really, really great drummers, and, and he, it really is, it really is good. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and uh, but Getty Lee, yeah, oh, yeah, no, just phenomenal, phenomenal bass player. And anyway, I need, I don't need to tell you guys that you guys know already. <laughs> we love talking about it, though. You're preaching to the choir, but that's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> so, Charlie, we mentioned that you can find your work on Facebook, and we can find your work on Instagram. Now, if we wanted to purchase some of your work, how could we go about doing that? Well, it's easy. It's uh, basically, I, I generally do it through, uh, people contact me. Uh, people, either, uh, Instagram direct message me or, uh, or uh, private message me on, on uh, that's the best way just to talk to me directly. Uh, people keep asking me if I got a website. I don't have a website. Uh, I don't need a website, basically. And I think it's much better especially if you're dealing with commissions, if people actually talk to the artist that so we can discuss the ideas. So, you know, it would not, would not be good if it was remote, if it's basically there was a website and somebody said, can I have the, you know, I, I never talked to them and they never talked to me. I don't think they, they would get a good artwork. I think we need to talk to each other. So basically, you know, direct message me is the, is the best way to do it. And you mentioned you do commission work as well. So I can send you a picture of uh, something I wanted you to paint and you'd be able to do that for me. Yeah, you could, you could send me a picture or you could say 
an idea you could describe what kind of picture you wanted and i would do the research or i come up or, or or you know you could you could say i want this feeling i want that and and i would say okay well i've got this idea what about that idea and um before i did the, the rock artwork that was how i survived as an artist it was it's commissioned work so i think all that years of doing portraits of dogs and houses and and you know it's kind of helped me translating people's ideas into into artwork um but uh, yeah no that that that's kind of how it operates that we just have a have a conversation and then sometimes people just give me a sketchy idea and the, the best rather that you you can never really completely work the idea out by talking it out sometimes you get you just have to give the artist a few indicators and then just let them go and i've, I've done that with people that says okay i'll tell you what we're going to do here just let me paint this picture that's probably the best thing to do we'll paint the picture and and i show you the picture if you go wow i love it okay that's good that worked or if you go no i don't like that okay that's fine then at least you know it's the easiest way to do it but i'll sell it to somebody else <laughs> well i know jerry and i are huge fans of your work and I, I think we speak for all rush fans by thanking you for your amazing work painting rush over the years and uh, thanks for joining us on the rush fancast charlie uh, gentlemen, thanks for having me. Uh, I hope I wasn't too boring. And uh, <laughs> and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, you've still got the afternoon to come. And uh, as I head towards the evening. Thanks again, Charlie. Okay, cheers, guys. So, Jerry, I hope that was fascinating for our listeners. I know it's a little difficult doing a podcast about art because you can't see <laughs> the art, right? No. Nope. But Charlie Roy's art is fabulous. Yeah, and you can check him out on Instagram. He posts a lot. Uh, we'll get his permission, hopefully, to post some of the pictures we were talking about. Oh, yeah, when yeah. This episode drops. Yeah, and when we post the episode, we'll post the pictures, follow him on Instagram, follow him on Facebook. Yeah. And seriously, if you love art, buy one of these paintings. I mean, I've got one on my wall. It's beautiful. Yeah, he was a great guest, too. Yeah. I just really like the explanation too of, of the backgrounds, which is like one of those subtle things that you pick up, your eyes pick it up and it gives you a certain feeling, mm -hmm. but you don't really know that it's there until somebody tells you, oh yeah, I do this thing to make it look all squirrely in the background to give mm -hmm. it some kind of movement. So we were talking about Hugh Syme and over, you know, how many episodes have we got? Almost 80 episodes. We've talked a lot about Hugh Syme's artwork. Have you decided what your favorite Hugh Syme album cover is? I mean, divorced from the album itself, right? Purely right. on the album cover. Right. Forget the album, whether you like the album or not, just the cover. Um, I'm going to, oh boy, that's a tough one. I'm, right now I'm leaning toward Grace Under Pressure. Me too. Oh, that's really? what I was going to say, Grace Under Pressure. Because it's just so abstract. It's so abstract. It's art. You know, it's the, it's the kind yeah. of thing I would put on my wall right next to a Charlie Roy painting, right? And it has like bloody teeth in it. I love, I love images of bloody teeth. You got to love bloody teeth. <laughs> I also wanted to shout out again. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the Retro Zest podcast and host Curtis. Mm -hmm. Recently, it was the 40th anniversary of Moving Pictures. And Curtis did an episode on the 40th anniversary of Moving Pictures and had us on his podcast. Yeah, I don't know what, what came over him. <laughs> what a nice guy. What a nice guy. Anyway, it's episode 45 of the Retro Zest podcast. Check it out. All about moving pictures, 40th anniversary. 
And if you want to hear more about moving pictures, you can listen to our podcast. We did four episodes, four on moving pictures. I don't know what, three or four months ago. Was that the first time we did more than two episodes on an album? No, uh, for Vapor Trails, we did three. Oh, yeah. That was a real deep one, too. Yeah. But episodes 42 through 45 of our podcast, if you haven't checked it out yet, if you want to hear two Rush geeks talk about moving pictures <laughs> for almost four hours, <laughs> that's what you do. And as, as I remember, it only gets boring around hour four, so that's good. What? Vital Signs is not boring <laughs> at all. I meant we. Oh, we get boring. We get boring. Of course. You know, I, I stumbled across something else on the Power Windows website, Eric Hansen's site. This was yep. an interview done by Neil Peart in December 1985, transcribed by our, our good friends John Petuto and, of course, Eric Hansen. And it was 25 questions that Rush fans asked Neil Peart, which I thought was really cool. Wow. Okay. What do you got? Well, I'm not going to read all of them, but I figured oh. I would read one about moving pictures. Okay. So the question was, what does the man descending into hell and the dogs playing cards on the cover of moving pictures signify? And Neil says, when Hugh Simon was developing a multitude of puns for the cover, he wanted the guys to have some moving pictures to be moving past the people who were moved by the pictures. Get it? Yep. So he asked us to think of some ideas for these pictures. The man descending into hell is actually a woman, Joan of Arc, which I think we knew, yeah, being burned at the stake as per witch hunt. And the card-playing dogs are there because it was a funny, silly idea. One of the most cliched pictures we could think of. <laughs> a different kind of moving picture. Yeah. And there's 25 other questions. Are any of them, does he wear boxers or briefs? Is that one of them? No, but one of them, uh, one of them <laughs> actually is pretty funny. Two questions. It says, is it true that Getty Lee played with Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock? What? <laughs> <laughs> and the other question is, is Getty doing some work with Shaka Khan? Will this, <laughs> will this affect his work with the band? <laughs> Shaka Khan. What year was this? 85? 85. And Neil's wow. response was, ha, 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 ha. You're joking, right? <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. That's bizarre. Shaka Khan. Can you picture Getty working with Shaka Khan? No. And where would this listener have heard this rumor in 1985? In his own dreams. Yeah. He just made it up. <laughs> I heard it from myself. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are at TheRushCast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation with Charlie Roy at TheRushCast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro is Lex. As always, he's the best. And Jer, I hope you have a quote for us. Oh boy, I do. I really have one actually ready this time. Oh, nice. Closer to the heart, of course. Of course. For Charlie. It's Valentine's Day when we're recording this too, so that is just <laughs> perfect, Jim. Perfect. The blacksmith and the artist reflected in their art. They forge their creativity closer to the heart. Thanks, Jer. Touching. Bye, Steve. Bye, Steve.